Psalm 24, verses 1 and 2. The title of the psalm, interestingly, when you look at the psalm, Psalm 24, my Bible says, the king of glory and his kingdom. You see, a king without a kingdom is like anyone else. He has nothing. A king is just uh, a loner. It's a frustrating existence for a king to be without a kingdom. That's why it says the king of glory and his kingdom. A king has to have kingdom. A king has to have dominion. A king has to have his sphere of influence. You understand? And that is why godly leadership is important in every sphere. Because nature abhors a vacuum. That's why you will find out in every sphere there will always be leader. Someone leading. Someone influencing, whether for good or for bad. That scripture says the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. He has founded it upon the seas. And that's why our confidence is not in the things of this world. Our confidence is in the eternal rock of ages. The rock that does not roll. You understand? There is nothing in this, on this earth that is worth placing your trust in. He said he founded it upon the seas. Which means it can be swept away. In reality, when you read the story of Noah, whether we like it or not, Noah lost things during that flood, isn't it? But thank God that his confidence was not in the things he had. It was in the Almighty. You understand? And so he and his household were saved. I pray that we will be saved. We will continue to be saved in the mighty name of Jesus. Now, I'm not saying it's an excuse for folding our hands and not doing anything. Because I can show you also that when Noah finished after the end of the flood, when he came out, he planted a vineyard. You understand what I'm saying? We must do the things we ought to do. You understand? But our trust is not in them. We are simply doing it as good stewards of what God has deposited in us. Amen? So this says, the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. And my question is, why will God say the earth is the Lord's and its fullness? Why will he be telling his people that the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness? After all, in Genesis chapter 1, we understand in verse 1, it said, you know, in, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And God's people ought to have known that he created the heavens and the earth. May I just give you three reasons why God says those things? Because God needs to remind us sometimes of a few things, you understand? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness, the first reason why I think God said it, why it's a reminder that you know that, you know, God is the creator and is the one that is deserving of all worship. You understand? It's a reminder to, for us that we need to worship the Lord. You understand? When I say worship, I'm not just talking in songs. It's about our lifestyle that we must continually acknowledge him. You understand? That all things are created for his pleasure. You understand? All things are created for his pleasure. You understand? You know that in Revelation chapter 4 verse 11, it says, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. You, because he created all things, is worthy to receive glory and honor and power. So it's the object of our worship, you understand? The one we give our adoration to. So God sometimes needs to remind people, you understand? Because so that we are not taken away, we are not, we are not um, um, lost by what we are seeing around us and forget. You understand? Even though all things that we can understand the invisible attributes of God by the things he has made, sometimes it seems as if we need to be reminded that he is the creator and we need to worship him. I say this deliberately because Satan is not the creator. Or even though he's looking for people to worship him, he is not the creator. Only the creator is deserving worship. I pray that you and your house, you will worship the Lord in the mighty name of Jesus. That our children will not depart from the way 
of the Lord. That we will not be blinded by the things that they see around us and depart and be fooled by ideologies and philosophies that are ungodly. Uh, you know, the second, it leads me to the second reason. It's so that you don't think you are exceptional. You don't start thinking of yourself better than anyone else. When he said the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, he was saying every, the earth and every people inside. So that you don't think that because you are saved, then you are better than anyone else. I'm drawing a line here. We are saved, but that does not make you better. There are those who are more righteous than us that are still not saved. You understand? I mean, in terms of human works. Before you were saved, they, you would have thought they were doing well. You understand? But they are still not saved. And interestingly, the scripture alludes to it because God knew his people have that tendency. So uh, let me give you some scriptures, exceptionalism, and I would just need to say that so that we don't think we are better than others. In Ezekiel 14, 14, God had to tell his people when they thought that because they were God's chosen people, then the norm, they were exempt from the rules and the laws of God and the judgment that comes from defiling his laws. So in, in Ezekiel 14, 14, he had to tell them through Ezekiel that even if Noah, Daniel and Job were present in that, in, in, in that nation, in that era, that only they would be spared, not even their sons and their daughters, that the nation would not be spared. He said the same thing in Jeremiah 15, verse 1, when he said it would, even if Moses and Samuel stood there before him to intercede for the nation, it would not spare. So sometimes God needs to remind us so that we don't think we are better than others. You see, sometimes in the history of the world, you find nations that think that they call it exceptionalism, that they are different from the norms, and you know, and one of the things the pandemic has taught us is we need to be careful. It was a great leveler. I said words because by the grace of God, we are coming out in the mighty name of Jesus. I'm using my words carefully. You understand? We are coming out in the mighty name. It was a great leveler. It was to teach people that you are not exceptional. So there were countries like the United Kingdom, our country, and the United States who thought the infection is for other people. It's not there. So when the thing was coming, they were acting slow. They said, oh, just be it. Be it where? You understand? Until they overtook and their rates started going higher than those countries that were infected before them. You understand? Exceptionalism. You don't think you are better than others. You understand? We're not better than others. So that we, do, we are not careless. You understand? And we have a regard for God and we regard him as holy. So the pandemic in itself was a leveler. Christians had it. Non-Christians had it. So we can say it. Oh, plan. We are not better than others. God in his mercy preserves. God by his grace elevates. He rescues. You understand? It is all to the glory of God. So none of us can say that in our own self, in our own strength, in our ability, in our own righteousness, we are where we are. No, we are who we are by the grace of God. The third reason why I feel that bit was mentioned is to remind us that there's a redemptive purpose that we have in Christ Jesus. Redemptive purpose. Redemptive purpose. When he said the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof is to remind people that there are still people to be saved. A redemptive purpose. So you understand. And so in Revelation chapter 5 verse 9 it says, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. To remind, so three reasons, the earth is the lost. To remind us, one, that God is the creator who is deserving of all worship, and to him worship should go alone. Two, to remind us that we are not better than others. You understand? Three, to remind us there's a redemptive purpose. I don't know why I keep on going back, we are not better than others. I need to say this. You know what? 
two people that I've learned, I'd say, say that, you understand, are people who are not Pentecostal Christians, who are regarded as geniuses. One was a musician, once being interviewed, is late now, by uh, the Dalatian, and he said, I don't think myself better than others, and yet people thought, he regarded him as a genius. Another was a footballer, who was regarded as a genius. He said, I never think of myself better than others. He said, what I have, I've just, I'm simply a person who God has given a gift. The next session says, who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy place, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. Friends, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And yet, we will ask a question, who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? It now tells you that not everyone who is of the earth will enter. Jesus may have died for all, but not all will be saved. You understand? Because they said, who may ascend? Into the hill of the Lord. All may stand in his only place. So the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And he now gives a condition. Who may stand in his only place? You understand? Who may ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his only place? He said, who has clean hands and a pure heart? Who has not lifted up his soul to an idol or sworn deceitfully? You understand? The children of Levi stood. Moses came down from, 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 from the mountain when he heard that the children of Israel were defiling themselves. And he goes, I said, who is on the Lord's side? And the children of Levi got up and they stood up and they stood up and they separated themselves. And the Lord said, tell the children of Levi, I'm just paraphrasing, you understand? Said, they, today they will receive a blessing. You will see that, you understand? They have separated themselves unto me, you understand? I'm regarding them as holy. Who may assign? It's about, you understand, doing the right thing from a pure motive. And the definition of right is not what is right in our own eyes, but what is right before God. But I thank God because through the blood of the eternal covenant that is in Christ Jesus, he has made provision for us to be cleansed and to live by his word. May we receive sanctification by the word, by the blood, and by the spirit in the mighty name of Jesus. You, may, you know in Jeremiah 31, I'm just to tell you that God wants us to live rightly by his word. He says, Jeremiah 31, 33 to 34. He said, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds, amen, and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall they every man teach his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin, I will remember no more. Amen. I will forgive their iniquity and their sin, they will remember no more. I pray that by the mercies of God, our failings are forgiven in the mighty name of Jesus, and we receive the capacity to walk in line with the word of God in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Say, so who has not lifted his soul to an idol? Sometimes it's not about how perfect we are. It's about what we trust in. You know, the word of the Lord says that Abraham, when he got to a place in Hebrews, he said, you know what? He started looking for a city whose foundation and builder was God. You understand? It wasn't about anything. So his heart's desire was God. That's his utmost desire. That's his utmost desire for the Father seeks those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. I know it's important. I pray. You know, 
in terms of the word of God is the highest manifestation of God, I pray that in every area that Lord will help us, Lord, to receive your word and to live according to your word. In the mighty name of Jesus, because it's important to you, when you look at that scripture in Jeremiah 31, 33 to 34, that he said, you know what, I will be their God and they will be my people. And he put a condition, I will put my laws in their mind and write it on their heart. Then I will be their God and they will be my people. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray that will be our portion. I pray that our children will be delivered from every wrong philosophy. In the mighty name of Jesus, they will be delivered from error. They will be delivered from falsehood in the mighty name of Jesus. I always remember what C.H. Spurgeon said. He said, you know what? God may sometimes bless error. When he talked error there, he was talking about mistakes. But said it will never bless falsehood. Never. Never. Never, never, and I'm going through what's the trench of my message and where the key. He said, you shall receive blessing from the Lord. That's verse 5 to 6. And righteousness from God of his salvation. He said, this is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. The generation of those seek who seek God, have clean hands, Pure art, I do not swear like by false idols like Jacob. I said that deliberately because, you see, when we look at everyone else, we think, why Jacob? Of all the people in the Bible, Job, you didn't put, you now use Job, Jacob as the example. And sometimes we pigeon Jacob into one hole, the one who deceived his brother. That's the only thing we see, you understand? And we forget, in Genesis chapter 32, verse 10, you know, Jacob said, I'm not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which you have shown your servant. For I crossed over this journey with my staff and now I've become two companies. Where am I going? Why Jacob is important. He said, we know Jacob, it was through him Israel was established. He said, you know, this is Jacob, the generation of those who sought, who seek God. Jacob sought the Lord, whether we like it or not. Because you see, when Jacob got to the place of Laban, yes, he deceived his brother. But when he got to Laban's place, Jacob walked righteousness. That was why he was able to say, let my righteousness speak to for me in the days to come. Answer for me in the days to come. It was faithful and he would be able to say to Laban, he said, when anything was lost among your head, I, I paid for it. I didn't come back to you. I slept night and day. And so, he would get to Genesis 32. When he heard that Esau was coming to him, was coming to meet him, he saw his brother. And he said, I'm not worthy. Again, do not think of yourself better than others. He said, I'm not worthy of all these things that you have given, of your mercy and your truth. So there were two things that helped Jacob. You understand? Mercy and truth. God had mercy upon his failings. And God in his faithfulness rewarded him for his faithfulness in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray may the Lord have mercy upon our failings in the mighty name of Jesus. Because we have no confidence in the flesh. None at all. We have no trust. We dare not trust the sweetest frame. But holy trust in Jesus' name. Upon his mercy. And God will have mercy upon his failings. And by the truth of God, and translation says faithfulness, it will enter into a dimension of multiplication. I pray that the Lord will turn every position of disadvantage to advantage in the mighty name of Jesus. May your one staff become two companies in the mighty name of Jesus. That's the dimension. You see, sometimes we think it's money, money we need. Find the mercy and grace of God. And that's why Hebrews will tell us that, you know what? Enter boldly. 
Enter boldly does not mean enter arrogantly. Please, you understand? Contrite spirit, I think it was Apostle that mentioned it. Contrite spirit and broken heart. Enter boldly, you understand? To the throne of grace, that you may find mercy and grace to help in the time of need. If you need things. So that was what Jacob showed us. That that's the key to multiplication. It's not, forget it. It's the mercy and grace. When we see God in the place, see his mercy and his help, we will see a transformation in the mighty name of Jesus. I need to rush because of time and go to where my message is. Ah. And so, Jacob, mercy and truth. It was on that basis that they would wrestle with God. I'm just going to say Genesis 32. Till now, from all, all through the night. You understand? And we say, ah, the, the Lord will say, let me go. He's wrestled with a man, but we know it's the Lord. He said, let me go. He said, I will not let you go until you bless me. He was blessed with material things, but Jacob knew there was something more. He said, I will not let you go until you bless me. I need you. And the Lord will say, what is your name? He said, your name, my name is Jacob. He said, no, I'm, I'm bringing you into a dimension that I planned for you from the beginning. Your name is Israel, a prince with God. That's what it means. In the mighty name of Jesus, we're entering into a dimension that is different from what we have experienced so far in the mighty name of Jesus. I said we are entering into a dimension from what we have experienced so far. Atmosphere shifts in the mighty name of Jesus. So by the mercy and truth of God, I start. You see, David said the same thing in Psalm 26. He would say, look, he said, I'm in, I have my integrity. I come before you in my integrity, Lord. He now says, redeem me and be merciful to me. That's what takes you to the next level. For time, I need to rush. The last tranche of that psalm, which is where the fo focus of my message is for us. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Lift up your everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts is the king of glory. Selah. That's how it ends. When I look at that portion of that scripture, I saw it in a new way. That's why I said familiarity sometimes can bring ignorance. Because a lot of times, you know it, you recited it, God knows how many years. So the, the earth is the laws and the fullness there. Without even reading it, I, could, I can quote it often. You understand? So the thing is just flying past. No illumination. <laughs> so there are, I can, let me just use the word, pro, three protagonists or characters I see in that portion of the scripture. When he said, lift up your heads, all you gates, be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come. It wasn't the king of glory that was announcing himself. Because I can't be saying that the king of glory may come. It means there were others doing the announcement for him, isn't it? They were saying, lift up your heads, all you gates. So it means the king of glory was there. It means those who are shouting on behalf of the king of glory was there. It also means that there was a gate man or a system that was keeping a door locked. You understand? Because the response will now come. Who is this king of glory? Then they responded, the Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. The gates still did not open. They said, lift up your heads, all ye gates. Be lifted up, you ancient dust, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The response came, who is this king of glory? And now says, the Lord of hosts is the king of glory. Now, this is the cover of my message. You understand what I'm saying? 
two things, twice it was asked. I asked myself, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everyone and all who live in it. You understand? And yet the king left his throne, his glory. I was coming back and you were asking him for password. It's on. You understand? Do you know what I think? Because you see, when he left his throne in glory, he locked the system, password. You know, there were two things that were expected. He was going on an assignment. And to enter back, the assignment had to be fulfilled. The assignment had to be fulfilled. Ah, ah, and you see, look, think about it. In, in our modern world, I mean, those in IT, we have what we call multi-factor authentication or two-factor authentication. Let me, some of us will have used it, I think most of us. So think about your banking system. When you want to log in, they first of all ask you, oh yeah, your password. You enter it, they now ask, oh yeah, code. Am I right? How many of us have experienced it? It's called multi-factor authentication. So it was too, so if somebody tries to show or say, it's in the Bible for someone girl there before you, that our Lord Jesus Christ, you understand, how to do two-factor authentication, you understand? They said, who is this king of glory? Two responses came. They had to give the first password. They said, the Lord, strong and mighty in battle. They said, he is the king of glory. First one. They said, uh-uh. Okay, who is this king of glory? He said, they said, lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be lifted up, you ancient dust, that the king of glory may come in. Then you have to give that, said the Lord of hosts is his name. When you look, there were two things that had to be fulfilled for entry. He had to be strong and mighty in battle. He had to be lost. Which means the victory he won was not for himself alone. I'm going somewhere where we are, we can't afford to be on the journey on our own without taking others along. Whatever success you have experienced is not for you alone. I'm going somewhere. And it's, you see, you want to enter. We are, sorry, we are born again to see and to enter. Yeah? You understand? The glory comes. We still need to enter. You understand? There's a dimension. It's the stature in Christ that we enter to. We have to do things like him. And that was why, you see, when you look Psalm 22, 23, 24, it's a pattern. 22 was a depiction, a portrait of, of our Lord, our Savior. 23, as our shepherd. And 24, our sovereign. Those two thi three things matter. To be sovereign, you have to sacrifice. And you have to lead. You have to bring others along. You understand? It's for you to reign. That is why he said, he has made us kings and priests. The two carry King, you are leading someone. You are, the, you are carrying influence. Please sacrifice. And so you see, when our Lord Jesus Christ said, he redeemed them, he said, from every tongue, was said, from every tongue, from every race, from every nation, from every tribe, from every tongue. When he said, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It's important to have both. It's important not just to sacrifice, but it's important to lead. It's important to do one without the other. So you can do one without the other. Let me explain. And it's God's desire that the two are always in place. So when, God, okay, God delivered through Moses, he delivered the children of Israel from Egypt. Am I right? Yeah? That's saved. Salvation, deliverance, redemption, yeah? But they still have to be led to the promised land. Led. I can give another example, which is more, maybe closer, okay, to show. 
in this nation, um, people, everyone knows Winston Churchill. We know of, is revered because of what he did in terms of how he led the nation during the Second World War, 1939 to 1945. But the reality is, at the end of the war, when election came, it was voted out. You understand? You would have thought a person who did so much would be voted in. Why? Because the people saw it was not going to take them to the place where they wanted to be. Britain, prior to 1939, had a lot of slums. Had a lot of, uh, there was a lot of inequality. The aristocrats kept all the money while others were suffering. The same thing is being replicated now, high inequality. So they kept all, and then the people were suffering. There were slums, there was poverty, there was mass unemployment. And yet there was a man called Clement Attlee, Labour. I'm not partisan, you understand? So, but he had a plan. You understand? He had a plan. You understand? And their plan was to slay the five giants. You understand? Of squalor, disease, ignorance, so on and so forth. They put a plan that will lead the people to where they wanted to be. So it's important, not just rescuing. There must be a leading. Why must, what am I saying? How many as a people? We must reach the unchurched. We must mentor. We must guide. We must instruct. We must lead so that people can be where we are. You understand? It's always been the desire of Jesus Christ. That's why in John chapter 17, when he was praying, he said, Father, I want them to be where I am. You understand? Where I am. I also want them to be there. He said, the glory that you have given me, I have also given unto them. You understand? That you in me are in them. You understand? It's, that's what glory means. You know, Christ in me is the hope of glory. So the stature of Christ that is formed in us is the dimension of glory that we, we, we enter in the mighty name of Jesus. That is what unlocks the door. That was what keeps it open in the mighty name of Jesus. Some people have been here. Do you have done what you, you see, I, I love two years ago. It was a year of divine, um, sorry, access. You understand? Revelation 3, is it verse 8? And, and God said, said, I've seen your work. You said you have been faithful. said, I've kept the door open. You understand? It doesn't mean it's open to everyone. said, I've seen your works. So it's the works that unlocks it. Your works done by faith that unlocks that door. And I pray for everyone here. Each after you have labored. And it is time for you to enter into your next dimension. I say, lift up your heads, all ye gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors. In the mighty name of Jesus, by the grace of God, we will enter into the, into the mighty name of Jesus. Let me just share, because of time, I, very quickly. I'll just read next minute. Some of this, I'm, just, I'm not going to explain, because most of you, you know, and you probably uh, do a better justice to it than I myself. Amen. So, I've just put there, keys to reigning through recovery. Number one, deliverance. I've said that one. We need to reach, rescue, and lead others by, the, by God's Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. Two, destination. Destination. We need to know where we are leading people. Destination. There must be. You know? And if you say you don't know, well, I would advise you to go and read the church's vision. You understand? <laughs> uh, Isaiah 58, chapter 12. Can I just say this? It's important. Sometimes we wonder why we face challenges. When we read our vision statement as a church, it's like bringing a people into a life of full potential in Christ Jesus. You understand? And releasing them as restorers in the community. I'm telling you the reason why you must be strong, why we must be strong, and why we must fight the good fight of faith. It's, 
do you think the devil wants anyone to achieve their potential? Do you think the devil wants anyone to be restored? Do you think the devil wants people to be released as restorers? But by faith in the mighty name of Jesus, I declare we are overcomers. In the mighty name of Jesus, we, the victory has been won. The victory of Christ, we take upon and we push forward in the mighty name of Jesus. The third thing is direction. The course which must be taken in order to reach a destination. That's the direction. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. The fourth thing which I'll quickly mention is differentiation. Differentiation means, yeah, holiness. That's what it means. You understand? Separate, like the Levites, they separated themselves and God separated them unto himself. Like Joseph, you understand? Joseph, you know when Jacob was blessing them, his children in Genesis 49, he said, let this blessing be upon him who was separate from his brothers. Differentiation. Next, fifth one is devotion. That is devotion to Jesus Christ and his cause. You understand? To be devoted means to, be, to, means to love. You understand? Loyalty. And I must say, devotion requires discipline. The sixth thing is dependence. That means to rely on. One of the things that happened in that encounter that Jacob had in Genesis chapter 32 was that, you know, you see... The, his bone was stored and he started leaping. It's reliance on God. You understand? Dependability. And that, you know, brings humility. It involves humility. And finally, determination. So I'll just say them again. Deliverance. That means you must rescue others. Destination. Two. Three, direction. Four, differentiation. Five, devotion. Six, dependence. And seven, determination. Friends, we have a determined enemy, and we too must be determined. You understand? We will not flee. You understand? The righteous are as bold as lion. We will not flee in the day of battle, in the precious mighty name of Jesus. Because the victory, Jesus Christ is our example, and he has won the victory. We will be victorious in the mighty name of Jesus. It is well with us. It is well with you all in the precious mighty name of Jesus. God bless you, and thank you very much. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We do hope you have been blessed. Our special thanks go to all our partners who give generously to support our ministry. You are welcome to be one of us. We'd like someone to talk to you on any of the issues raised in today's message, please do call us on plus 44-208-597-3110 or you visit our website on www.hccenter.org.uk. May the peace of the Lord guard you and keep you till we meet again.